1: found a way to stick it out and win 12-9 in overtime over the Broncos in Denver on Thursday Night Football, and now it's time for the Pick'em Show. It's the Pick'em Show. Hello again, everybody. Welcome, or welcome back. I'm going to be doing this one solo today, as Kristen is resting up after our, not our wedding, but a wedding excursion last night. It was a lot of fun, but man, it's exhausting, and, uh, you know, she just decided to rest up And that's perfectly fine. I'm going to do my best to power through this show and streamline it as much as possible. Uh, But before moving on, since we were at that wedding, I know that they're never going to listen to this show in particular. But a special congratulations to Ashlyn and Madison Artis. It was a beautiful ceremony. It was a little hot outside, but... Once it cooled off and night fell on the Reptacular Ranch in Silmar, it ended up being a gorgeous venue at night, and we had a great time. And Ashland and Madison, we love you guys, and congratulations on your nuptials. And you guys don't care about football. And if anybody watched the Thursday game, I can't say that I blame you if you don't care about football. That game was crap. You know, it was a defensive showdown, the Colts' defense finally showed up for them in a meaningful way. I mean, I guess it showed up when they beat the Chiefs, too. They came up with a turnover late in that game to win, it and they kept the Chiefs mostly in check. But, you know, heading into this game, I just hadn't seen anything really enjoyable about the Colts. I hadn't seen many positive signs for them so far this season. And being playing in Denver in the altitude... I figured they would struggle and they did. The Denver defense played well, you know, it it held the Colts to six points uh, all the way until the fourth quarter and it was the Denver offense that couldn't do anything, specifically Russell Wilson, who has come under a lot of fire lately for his uh, especially crappy play and bringing into question uh, the money that the Broncos dumped into his contract, a lot of guaranteed money too. And he's not playing like a $240 million man at all. Um, I think if you were to look at, you know what, I'll just do it right now. If you're to look at the overall passing numbers for Mr. Wilson, let's just take a peek. I wasn't really gonna do it, um, but now that I'm talking about it, I kinda wanna see. He's surprisingly thrown for a lot of yards this season. Uh, He's second in yardage, and Matt Ryan's first in yardage. But in terms of touchdowns, uh, Russell's 20th. In terms of rating, he's 20th. In terms of, let's see, interception percentage, he is got the... He's 13th, so not terrible, again. His again his rating's not that bad. He's been sacked a lot. So the offensive line is definitely not prepared to help him, him and Matt Ryan both getting sacked a lot. Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow on that list too getting sacked a bunch. But let's see adjusted yards per pass attempt. Russell's 14th. So realistically like he's playing mediocre, but the bar is set much higher for him. <laughs> And it's not just that he's playing mediocre. It's the kind of poor decisions he made last night, I think, that were amplified being on a national stage in the national game. And th- the first interception he threw to Stephon Gilmore, well, I mean, he didn't throw it to Gilmore. Gilmore made a really nice play on it, but he kind of set Wilson up for that, to be honest. Uh, he, he had a really nice coverage scheme there. And Was just able to follow the receiver and he knew because the back of the end zones there he's gonna be underneath that ball, so He made a nice play uh, jumped the route, but this was uh, It was one of two interceptions that he threw Uh, It's the second one that I'm thinking about but they had a third and four at the Indy 13. So they're in the red zone Uh, The game is they have the lead at this point. They're up by three There's two minutes left in the game and third and four at the Indy 13. And he tries to get the ball into Cleveland and it's picked off by Gilmore. But, you know, Cleveland's way down their depth chart. So they're asking him to win a one on one against the guy who was the defensive player of the year just a couple years ago. So, not really a good play design in general from Nathaniel Hackett, who is also, you know, receiving criticism and rightfully so because their play calling is weird, and it definitely backfired on them in this game. This, this third and four where they decide to throw the ball into this one-on-one here, I mean, like Gilmore made a really good play to set Wilson up to make this pick. Uh, he kind of lets Cleveland run around him and just keeps his eyes on the receiver, so he stays inside leverage. So as soon as the route breaks back inside... Gilmore's already inside that and all he has to do is turn his head around and the ball is coming to him. Uh, So if they at least go outside, go back corner of the end zone there or something, it's going to be a harder play for him to make. And this is something that you would think Russell Wilson, who's 34, 33, something like that, who's been in this league for about 10 years, would be able to recognize this and maybe get off of this particular play or not go to that particular player in that situation. He doesn't. Uh, And he throws a red zone pick. And it's a situation where, you know what? I think you got to try to pick up the first down here. Third and four at the 13. You can get a first down, just reset the downs, and then you got four more tries inside the 10 to get your touchdown. There's no need to force this throw here. And he didn't have his guy open. So he either didn't see Gilmore or he didn't recognize the coverage, and both of those things are unacceptable from a guy you're paying $240 million to. And they're far below the standard level that you expect from a name like Russell Wilson. So terrible, terrible pick there. And Indy goes down the field and ties the game. And they, uh, they took it all the way down and they kicked it with five seconds left. So the Denver defense, you know, they held at least. And they kept it 9-9, but going to overtime, there was a lot of Denver fans leaving the stadium. So I think as soon as this game was tied, they knew something. They, they didn't have faith. And, I mean, one of the most enjoyable things about this very boring game was watching the exasperation on the face of the Denver fans because, you know, Denver and John Elway had massive hopes for this team and for Russell Wilson's performance on this team. And so far, we're not seeing that at all. He's throwing for a lot of yards, but they're in a lot of games where the run game is not exactly clicking and they're stalling out. So it's like you can throw for all the yards you want, but you're not converting into touchdowns. And Denver doesn't really score points. I don't know if they they broke 20 in one game and they lost. So even in the game that they actually did score, their defense didn't hold up. Anyway, this game goes to, uh, excuse me, overtime. Once it's in overtime, they lose the toss, and the Denver defense, you know, they do a good job, and they hold again. Like, they were getting driven on. It looked like the Colts might actually get the touchdown there, but they somehow forced Matt Ryan to scramble out of a shotgun play on the Denver 31 on a third and four, and, you know, that's always a win for the defense for the most part. So Ryan does not pick up the first down because he can't really move. So the fact that he gained a yard out of that play is impressive, but it set him up for a field goal, and Chase McLaughlin hit the field goal from 48, and they're up 12-9, and now Denver's got the ball. They have a chance to at least tie the game, maybe get to a draw. I don't know in this situation that going for a tie helped them at the end, but we're about to get to that. So Denver gets the ball. Wilson uh, hits Gordon over the middle for 24. He has Jerry Judy for 37. So they're in business right away. Um, they're down to the Indy 14 with first and 10. This is a fantastic position for Denver to just erase everything that went wrong at the end of the game. Punch this in for a touchdown and get it done, right? You can erase all all the crap. You know, You'll have some stuff to work on, but you could have erased a really catastrophic end of this game with a touchdown here. So first and 10 at the 14, they give the ball to Gordon. He only gets three yards. All right, whatever. You know, clock is running. They're down second and seven at the 11 yard line. Give it to Gordon again from shotgun. And he picks up five this time. So it's third and two. You have two plays to realistically pick up two yards. What are you gonna do here? Oh, you line up in shotgun, okay. And then you give it to Gordon who gets upended in the hole only gains a yard so now it's fourth and one all right well fourth and one you got Melvin Gordon you're a running football team you have Boone back there who actually played a really solid game as well you got Russell Wilson who's mobile you got all kinds of things you can do to pick up that one yard so what do they do oh they're they're back in shotgun again what are they doing and they run kind of not quite a pick play but a little bit of a pick play with the far receiver coming in as the inside receiver moves to the corner, pulls the coverage, gets K.J. Hamler wide open up the middle, and Russell Wilson's not looking at him at all. He's, when when I looked at some of like the, the stills of this play developing again, uh, it looked like he wanted to go to his tight end, but his tight end falls down. So maybe that's his first read, and maybe they were looking to pick up just the one yard right there. And they were looking to just have a little uh, comeback route right over the middle to the tight end, get the first, move on. But the tight end stumbles, so Wilson has to come off of that play, or off of that read right away. And he's looking left the whole way, so now he's looking at Sutton. Meanwhile, KJ Hamler's open still, and the pressure is starting to come from the right side. So Wilson's shuffling his feet left, shuffling his feet left, and... He may have even seen Kamler. Watching the replay a little bit more closely, it looks like he ultimately does see K.J. Hamler open in the end zone, but the throw that he puts on this ball is just dis- it's terrible. I was going to say disgusting, but I like to use disgusting in a positive manner on this show. So this was a, a terrible throw. Uh, his feet weren't set. His weight wasn't behind him. Uh, this is like a sidearm throw that he just thinks he can wing in there, and I think honestly, he I think he was throwing it to Hamler. Watching the replay, it's possible that he was still going to Sutton because Sutton's the one who almost gets his hands on it and almost catches it. But this is a play where Hamler stops and is open in the end zone, and I think Russ just thought he could fit it in there, and the the route combination has Sutton coming across the end zone, so I think he just ends up in that area but he doesn't make like a forward play towards the ball either. And it gets knocked away and the game is over and they lose in overtime. And it's Stefan Gilmore again on the defense of that play. So, you know, again, it's just bad route recognition, uh, bad decision-making poor throw, like not, not a confident throw, not, not a good throw in any way. It's not like he made a really good throw in the defender made a good play on it. Like he made a shit throw and the defender made a good play on it. And it's against their best defender again who's already picked them off once in this game. Rather, I just, I don't know. One of the things that I had talked about on this show, especially last year, uh, was Russell Wilson's potential decline. I had said last year that I feel it's... More than fair to question whether or not like his best days were behind him, because if you look at Seattle, like sure they never they never really like got their offensive line in check after they traded away Max Unger in the Jimmy Graham deal, like that basically torpedoed their offensive line for a long time and led to a lot of their issues in Seattle. But still, like you had Metcalf, you had Lockett, you had Baldwin for a long time. Like he had a lot of receivers that he worked well with. So it wasn't like oh he doesn't have the weaponry uh like his passing numbers were still good in that offense so it's not like they're not letting him throw the ball and for me it just came down to in the second half of 2020 and in 2021 the seahawks struggled a lot in terms of being able to have russell wilson play good football down the last eight games of the season uh, in obviously last year, he had the finger injury, and he kind of forced himself back trying to win games when he really couldn't help the team. And so that I mean, that at least tells me that he wants to win, and he's a competitor, and he's out there playing with a bad injury because he thinks he can help. So I'm not gonna you know blame him for those games that he played with the messed up finger. Right? Once he started to look decent at the end of the season, he looked like himself again. I think they ended up picking a win, picking up a win over San Francisco late in the year too. Once he was back, so. Despite the finger injury, uh, he played mostly pretty well. For me, it came down to watching him play and looking at the decisions he was making. Like, he was making bad decisions on a regular basis, and that was something that was never common for him. You know, when they played with Marshawn Lynch and they had that stellar defense, it was a lot of uh, predicating the whole offense around the run, and then it opens up better decisions for him, and his scramble ability was able to make the difference in a lot of situations now he doesn't really break the pocket that often he doesn't really run that much and looking at that last play on that fourth and one at the indy five like he's moving to his left but he's kind of like sliding to his left trying to stay in the pocket and the pressure is coming from his right so it's forcing him that direction but this is a play that russell wilson can make for a yard and stays in the pocket and instead makes a garbage throw so i don't know it's not looking good for Denver. I'll be curious to see what happens if this season doesn't go well, because there's a lot of moving parts. Like, obviously their offensive line is not that good. He got sacked a lot, right? So, despite that, he's still throwing for a lot of yardage. His numbers, I mean, 20th is not great, but he's not in like the very, very bottom of the league. So, he's still doing uh, technically decent. I mean, that's that's an unfair statement. He's not doing decent. He's doing, I would say. Mediocre, but he's third in the league in uh, sack percentage. I believe most sacks, so he's getting sacked all the time. No, he's he's eighth in the league in uh, sack percentage, so he gets he gets sacked essentially ten percent of the time when he drops back. So that's not good, and it's it's a struggle for their offense. But you know, credit to the Colts. I don't want to just say this was Denver's failure. It was Denver's failure for sure. They they had this game one. They're up three with two minutes left and the ball at. Inside the red zone. Uh, I think they were at the 11 or the 13-something. With a easy... Not an easy, but a short conversion. Third and short. They had this game. They kicked the field goal there, and Indy has to score a touchdown to win the game. I don't know that they do. Indy had, didn't score a touchdown the whole game, even in overtime. So, forcing them to have to score a touchdown to win the game could have been the difference there. And so their decision to just send in the particular kind of play that they sent in on that third and four was less than ideal and Nathaniel Hackett is uh, gonna get raked over the coals here and you know realistically Denver's two and three not the end of the world for them I mean there's a lot of season left and they're fortunate that the Chargers haven't gotten off to a good start the Raiders have not gotten off to a good start and so everybody that thought this AFC West was gonna be this unbeatable division of football it's like "Hmm, not so much and that's that's good honestly I'm curious to see what happens, though, if they continue to struggle, if Russell Wilson continues to not be able to convert touchdowns. He's got four touchdowns now in five games, and he's got three picks. So it's not like he's just turning the ball over all the time, but two of those picks were yesterday, and it just looked terrible. His completion percentage, I think, is the, maybe the most alarming thing. He's 28th in the league in completion percentage. So yeah, he's got a lot of yards, but he's throwing the ball more than anybody else almost. He's fourth in attempts. Behind Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, and Carson Wentz. So all realistically bad teams that have to play from behind, but I think Denver is the odd man out there. Like, all their games have been competitive. They're not really playing from behind in the way that these other teams are playing from behind, especially not Washington. So you've got to think that it's a philosophical issue in Denver like they don't have to have Russell Wilson throwing the ball this much and getting sacked this much yet they do and they're losing so be interesting to watch the hot seat but hey the Colts got it done on the road hard win game that they shouldn't have won but hey they hung in there they did what they needed to do and they needed to do it they deserve credit for that and uh, it brought my Thursday streak to an end unfortunately but You know, I was going to lose one sooner or later. And I really had less time to look at the Thursday game than I initially did because we were getting ready uh, and prepared for participating in this wedding. And we had, like, rehearsal dinner to go to. But it came down to, you know what, if it's Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan, like, who's going to make the play at the end of the game that is going to win the game? I still figured it would be Russell Wilson. And it wasn't. It was Matt Ryan. So as much as I have not sung Matt Ryan's praises and I probably still won't for much of this season but he stood in there he took a lot of hits in a game where he was getting getting smashed on quite a bit and he made the plays and Russell Wilson didn't so you know congrats Matt Ryan got sacked six times for 51 yards getting his ass kicked he threw two picks too but you know what the last couple drives when they needed him to just stay in the pocket and make some throws, he did. So, Matt Ryan, this week, uh, I'm going to rescind my trash talk. I don't really talk trash about him that often. I just I feel bad because he's my age and he doesn't move all that well out there. And when you don't move that well and you got a bunch of young guys flying around trying to hurt you, you get sacked six times for 51 yards and you get beat up. But, hey. You know what? That's part of the game and uh, he played through it and he brought his team to victory. You know, he he led them on those drives that cashed in the points when they needed them. And the rookie kid Alex Pierce played really well too, so you know, can't be mad at that at all. Good for them. All right. Moving on now. Let me see what the first game is. What's the first game I'm talking about outside of this? It was just a painful Thursday game. Like they put that on national TV and it was horrible. It just wasn't a good game for anybody to watch. I think even if you're a Denver fan, especially bad. If you're a Colts fan, it's like, hey, we got the win, but that wasn't good. And then everybody outside of that is like, why did the NFL force us to watch this? Because now it's like, we don't trust you on Thursday Night Football again. You started off Thursday Night Football pretty decent this season, trying to make up for a lot of bad Thursday Night games. I know a lot of players hate the Thursday Night games because the short week is always results in kind of clunkery type games. So we could be in for oh, we could be in for a rough road of Thursday night games. So just be prepared. But anyway, the London game, the second London game now, uh, features the Giants on the road at the Packers. I saw this game was initially Green Bay favored by eight, or excuse me, nine. But it looks like now they are favored by eight. So money's coming in on the Giants, big spread. I still see it nine one place, uh, over under 41 and a half. The Giants are so beat up in this game, though. You know, I would like to think that the Giants are a solid 3-1 team here and that they can actually offer Green Bay some competition. And I think we saw with the New England game that it is possible that Green Bay is not invulnerable, that they're not nearly as good as maybe their record might suggest because there's a lot of 3-1 teams and it's kind of like still really early in the season, tough to tell. And, you know, they almost got beat by New England in Green Bay. Uh, without Mac Jones. You know, that's a scary thought for a team that's supposed to have really good defense. That said, the Giants uh, are... They're in injury hell again. No Kadarius Tony, no Wandale Robinson. Tyrod Taylor's out with a concussion. I don't even know how he got a concussion. Did he play in the last game and get a concussion? Is it practice-related? Anyway, Kenny Galladay's out too. So I don't know who the hell they're going to throw the ball to. It's going to be Saquon Barkley and Richie James, and that's it. So I think with all those weapons missing... It's going to be tough I think Green Bay's defense is they do have a good secondary and I think it's gonna be really tough for Jones so they're gonna to have to lean heavily on Barkley but when it comes down to just overall weaponry and skill and experience I know the Giants are three and one and you know them being good is actually kind of cool but at the same time this is a road game for them against well not technically it's a road game for both teams because they're in London uh, but if it comes down to it I got to go with Aaron Rodgers uh, Green Bay is not particularly uh messed up when it comes to injuries right now. So I don't think there's any way I can pick the Giants here. You know. Sorry, G-Man. If you guys win, eh, hey, good for you. Ridd's picks. Riddy says Packers. Uh, next game on deck is the the Falcons at plus three fifty at the Bucks, minus four eighty. This is a tough game to call because the Falcons have been really competitive. It's a division game. And the Bucks uh, at two and two have not been good. They are heavily favored here, obviously, because they're the Bucks and Tom Brady, and of course they're favored. Uh, but with Kyle Pitts out and with Cordero Patterson on IR, ugh, that's that's not a not a great recipe at all. But you got Cameron Brate, who's out for this one. Akeem Hicks is still out. Logan Ryan, who I didn't even know is on this team, is out. So you know. He's a secondary death player joining Tom from New England. You got Julio and Russell Gage questionable again because why not? That's just their thing. Um, Ten points, though? I don't know. That defense just got run over. Atlanta can score. The problem is Atlanta gives up a lot of points. In theory, a good experienced defense that is mostly healthy outside of Hicks should be able to... Hold the fort against Marcus Mariota is what I would say. Uh, is there any guarantee that they do? Yeah, I don't know. They're favored by ten, and it's just been kind of scary for the Bucks with the way their receiver injuries have been piling up. You know, Cole Beasley was on the practice squad, and now he is not on the team anymore. Uh, he retired, so he didn't obviously feel like he had what it takes to keep playing at the NFL level. And Perriman is questionable as well. So, I mean, theoretically, Godwin's healthy. Theoretically, Evans is healthy. They're going to run the ball. I figure the Bucks they have to win this game. They can't lose to Atlanta. Tens a lot, though. And Atlanta can score, and they've been competitive with everybody. I'll, I would probably take Atlanta to cover, but I don't know why. I just feel like I should because they've been in a bunch of one-score games. Haven't played the Bucks in those games. And they haven't played a defense like that but seeing the bucks get lit up by the chiefs i mean atlanta's obviously not the chiefs but food for thought reds picks she's taking the bucks uh next game on deck is bear with me while i work my way through this i thought i had a good template set up to do this but as it turns out not so much Again, press for time. Wedding yesterday. Didn't get to really work on this. Uh, Late start today after recovering from the wedding. Anyway, no more wedding talk. The next game on deck is, once I click back to the front, uh, Steelers at the Bills. 1-3 and Steelers. It's Kenny Pickett time. They're, They're done with Mitch. Sucks for Trubisky. I don't really think he was playing bad enough. For the switch to happen, but when your offense is not doing anything and you just need a spark, I understand going to the to the kid and seeing what happens. But the Steelers are without Akella Witherspoon and Terrell Edmonds in the secondary. Terrell Edmonds, and you know it looks like Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver may come back. McKenzie's still dealing with the concussion, so it's probably going to be uh, Khalil Shakir coming in and getting some interesting minutes and I don't think J.J. Watt's back yet excuse me T.J. Watt I don't think he's back yet so if that's the case they're at Buffalo and the Steelers aren't good they're missing three players in their secondary I mean Cameron Sutton's questionable so he might play but I mean between Edmonds, Witherspoon, KZ is suspended so they're definitely thin in the secondary the Bills are going to test that Watt is still on IR. I don't see any reason the Bills would lose this game, other than maybe they take the Steelers lightly, but I think they figured that out last season, taking the Steelers lightly, and I don't think they make that same mistake twice. They are favored by 14. The Steelers' defense has not been particularly good, and neither has their offense. So, you know, if the Bills start to get some starters back like if Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips and those guys play as well ugh, Steelers could be in for a really long game if if Oliver and Phillips don't play I mean I see Dawson Knox is out Poyer's out again I mean he came back for that one game and obviously they're like hey your foot's bothering you you can sit this one out Christian Benford's still out so it's gonna be Teron Johnson Dane Jackson Kyer Elam And then uh, probably DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson playing safety, so not exactly the most experienced secondary out there. But if they get a couple pieces back and Oliver and Phillips on the interior D-line, it could make things really tough for that rookie. Uh, Kenny Pickett threw a bunch of interceptions in the last game. At least one of them that I saw wasn't really his fault, but it points back to what I saw in their spotlight game, I think it was against Cleveland, that their receivers get no separation. Uh, He threw, like, a jump ball to Claypool, and maybe a little bit underthrown, but Claypool didn't really make a good play on the ball either, and it was a one-on-one, and the defender's on him, so all he has to do is, like, jump and make a play on it, but uh, he didn't do that, and that ball ends up getting picked, so not necessarily on the quarterback there, but Kenny Pickett's still a young kid going up against what could be the best defense in the league when they're healthy, and even when they're not 100% healthy, they're still pretty good, so... You know, of course I'm going with the Bills there. 14 points is a lot, but you know what? Go for it. Bills by a billion. Rids picks. Rids went with the Steelers. Boo! What's next? What is next? I need Kristen here to help me out, but she's not, and I I need to keep a different page open so I don't have to keep clicking so much. Chargers at the Browns is what's next. It's an interesting game, too. Both teams 2-2. Both teams have shown signs of looking good and looking like garbage. Keenan Allen's still out. I don't know if his season's over or what, but had a hamstring injury, and now he's been done for a month, so that's probably not good. Heard he had a setback at practice. Not particularly liking the news there. And although Cleveland has some issues, they're kind of healthy in comparison. I don't know. Let me check out the Chargers depth chart while I'm here. i going to try and... Yeah, Palmer's still out. Excuse me, Palmer's questionable. Keenan Allen's still out. Bosa on IR. They did, you know, they beat up on the Texans, but the Texans almost came back on them too, so... This is, this is a coin toss game for me. What are the odds in this game? Browns, two-point underdogs at home. Morning game, Chargers going west. Hmm, I mean, obviously Herbert is probably the best guy in this matchup here, but... I could see Cleveland winning this game over under 46. They just got to live and die by Chubb and play a little bit of defense on Mike Williams and hope that that's good enough. Just uh, force yeah, force the issue on Williams. Guard him up as best you can and make Herbert go elsewhere with it. And I don't know what else they have. It's going to be, what, uh, Carter? Going to kill him again? Excuse me, Gerald Everett had a good one. I mean, the Cleveland has given up less yards put up more yards barely because they run the ball so well. The Chargers rushing defense hasn't been that bad. Points allowed is all about the same. If I had to pick an upset this week, this is a this is a good opportunity to do it. Uh, we're going to find a lot, find out a lot about the Chargers and about Herbert in a game that is very winnable for them that they're actually favored in somehow still. So all they got to do is Go out there and handle business, but it's not an easy task when you got Chubb and Hunt back there on the other side of the ball. You know, my gut says the Chargers are probably the better team, but I haven't been able to prove it yet. And you know what? This is a good upset pick. I need upset picks here and there. It's only two points. Cleveland at home after a disappointing loss last week against Atlanta. It's not good that they lost to Atlanta, because I would still say the Chargers are probably better than the Falcons. But it seems like they're coming less equipped with weaponry, and Herbert's not really a mobile quarterback either. That's not something the Browns defense has to worry about. They may, It looks like Miles Garrett is back this week as well, so they could have their two best pass rushers back also. Uh, screw it. I'll go Cleveland. I'll say Cleveland. I said the Titans on this show last week. And then I didn't pick them. I picked the stupid Colts, and the Colts got smashed. I mean, they ended up losing by a touchdown, but they're down 24-10 at halftime. They got beat up early in that game because I didn't trust my gut. So I'm going to trust Cleveland here. I don't know why, though. Don't listen to me. It's not good when you listen to me. I mean, you need to listen to me because that's what the show is about. But at least I'm transparent with my picks. I had a good week last week, but I could have had a better week. I could have won both leagues last week if I had just stuck with the Titans
0: Rids picks.
1: Rids is taking the Browns, too. Alright, anyway. Next game on deck, Bears-Vikings. Not a pretty game, in my opinion. Bears don't look like a good team to me. Somehow they do have two wins. Uh, The Vikings don't really look like a good team to me, either. But they should have the advantage here. Just because the Bears seem mostly inept on offense. I mean, they run the ball really well. But You know, they're not even breaking 300 yards of offense a game. So they have to win this game on defense and their points allowed is basically the same. So it's not like their defense is uh, significantly better. It's a little bit better, but I don't know if it's enough better to deal with the Vikings offensive array. You know, Justin Jefferson has not been incredible for the Vikings like, you know, many people expected. he's been playing well for sure. Um, at least in a couple of games. It just it seems like what are the Bears going to do other than run the ball? And if that doesn't get them enough points to win, their defense is not necessarily going to hold up the other way. This is a game where the Vikings are supposed to win this game, and they absolutely should win this game. And what happened? I picked the Vikings last week. They barely won. So I feel like I'm on an off week, but I have to pick them again here. The Bears can beat them. The Bears can beat them in an ugly game. But they're favored by 7.5 for a reason. Excuse me, the Vikings are favored by 7.5 for a reason, so I have to at least. I have to at least trust what I'm seeing, and that's that the Vikings are a more capable team right now. And I'll go with Minnesota in that game. Rids picks. Rids likes the Vikings too. The Lions on the road at the Patriots. Both teams are one and three not a game that I'm terribly excited about. I do enjoy watching the Lions play because I love watching young teams grow and get better. But this is a Lions team that is still really beat up from a couple weeks ago. I think uh, DJ Chark is still out. Hawkinson's questionable because... uh, No, it looks like he got cleared. All right, so Jason Cabinda's still out. Jonah Jackson, questionable, so he may be back. They're missing Charles Harris on the D-line. amon ra St. Brown is... Questionable. DeAndre Swift's still out. Chark out. Reynolds questionable. So they're beat up. You know, I would like to think that the Lions are actually the better team of the two, from what I've seen. But it's tough when you're when you're injured in all those positions. And you know, Mac Jones is doubtful. Looks like Bailey Zapp, Zappy. Oh, Hoyer, Hoyer went to IR. I need to see what happened in that game. But regardless of what happened, he's out. Uh, and it's Bailey Zappy who's in here. This kid, uh, fourth-round pick. He's the guy now, though, I guess. And they still run the ball. So they're going to go Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. Jacoby Meyer still questionable. Looks like Taequann Thornton's starting. He's back, though, so that's good for them. Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne look healthy. Uh, Aguilar healthy as well. So this is a game where as much as I do not like the Patriots and I don't want to pick them, I could see them winning. It's in New England. I would have to take a look at the weather, which I'm going to do right now. And then I'll... Uh, it's 57 degrees, supposedly, for that game. So it's going to be a little cold for that Lions team. Yikes. I mean, last time a Belichick defense played Jared Goff, it was not pretty. I mean, they may have played since then, but I don't remember. And the Super Bowl was a complete domination of Jared Goff and their offense. So maybe I don't play Goff this week... Ugh, I don't want to pick the Patriots, but I think I have to. <laughs> Wah. Ritz picks. I'm getting a little worried because Ritz is also taking the Patriots. And next we have the Seahawks, 2-2 two two, on the road at the Saints, who are 1-1. One one. Tough call. The Saints uh, look pretty decent, honestly, with Andy Dalton. They don't look like they're inept. Um... And the Seahawks looked good against a Lions defense that gives up a ton of points. Michael Thomas is still out in this game, and who else is out for New Orleans? Winston is still doubtful. Kamara questionable. Landry still questionable with the ankle. So, I mean, it's Chris Olave season, and I'm glad I have him in one league because I just got to keep firing him up. He played well even when everybody was healthy, and now that you know he's the top option, we're starting to see what that speed does. The defense is pretty healthy, though. I'll give them that. Uh, Seattle, on the other hand, is mostly healthy. Uh, aside from the Jamal Adams injury that happened, I think, in week one, uh, you got Marquise Goodwin, who's questionable, and that's it. I mean, it's Geno Smith, Rashad Penny, Tyler, DK, Disley. They got everybody that they need in order to go on the road and play the Saints here. So I think what we're going to see is are the Saints – maybe a little bit jet-lagged and tired from that game that they played hard in on the road in London and almost won. And, you know, traveling back, I think, if I'm not mistaken, London's 12 hours ahead of me, so what, 10 hours ahead of New Orleans? So that's a lot of time to come back and reacclimate and then get practices in. So it's tough to say exactly what kind of shape the Saints are going to be in, but, you know, they're favored by five. I might actually take the Seahawks to cover. I don't know if I take the Seahawks to win outright. Them giving a, them scoring 48 points against a bad Detroit defense, obviously, yeah, that looked fantastic. But also, they got 45 scored on them by a Detroit team that didn't have really any of its key players. So that's a little concerning. And I don't think the Saints are going to let this game get that high scoring at any point. If Kamara plays, that gives them a nice boost. But they can they can get by with Ingram being the primary ball carrier and get Taysom Hill some carries in there as well. And Andy Dalton is a capable quarterback, especially with the defense and a run game. He might actually be better than Jameis Winston. Uh, no offense to Jameis, but... Their career success, if you line them up next to each other, you'd, you'd have to favor Dalton. And... Uh, You know, sucks for Jameis. He may not get his job back after this injury or whatever. Um, But he's obviously playing hurt, and it's not helping. So, I'll I'll probably go Saints in this one, but Seahawks to cover. I may have to revisit that, but for now, I just, uh, I got to take the Saints. Rids picks. Ridley's going with the Seahawks. What is the next game? What is the next game? That's the Miami Dolphins, 3-1 and one, at the 2-2 two and two, New York Jets. The Jets surprised the Steelers, hung tight, and uh, pulled off a W. So, big win for them to get to 2-2. Two and two. Miami, obviously, is not going to be having the services of Tua right now. But Teddy Bridgewater looked good other than one bad decision uh, that ended up being the deciding factor in that game. So, I'm not completely scared of him in the starting role I would say and Teddy is a game manager and they still have talent they still have speed the problem is Tyreek Hill is questionable Jamal Waddle is questionable Ron Armstead is questionable so are they going to beat the Jets if those guys like imagine you know those guys are just not 100% and they have to come out is it going to be Cedric Wilson and River Krakraft and uh, what is that Eric Ezukanma Trent Sherfield, are those guys going to step up and carry this team to victory over a Jets team that definitely feels more confident than they did a couple weeks ago? Is Teddy Bridgewater and Mostert and Edmonds just going to run the ball all over them? That's quite possible. It is quite possible. The Jets give up 108 yards on the ground a game. Their defense is actually pretty good, though. They give up far less yards than the Dolphins. Uh, their offense actually puts up more yards, but they do play from behind, but they run the ball better. They do score less and give up more, which isn't good. I don't know. This is a this is a sneaky Jets pick right here. It's just, uh, do I trust the Jets ever? No, 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 no. But you know, Zach Wilson gives them a little bit of mobility. It looks like they're not gonna throw the ball 50 times, so they're not just gonna like send uh, Wilson back there to get beat up. You have a healthy receiving core in Moore, Davis, and Wilson. Conklin's been playing well. Uh, Offensive line is healthy. Brown, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern. I mean, they did lose Mekhi Becton earlier and George Fant earlier in the season. I mean, they got three right tackles on the IR right now. Um, but for the most part, like the left side of their line is solid. Uh, center through left tackle. Like So just run behind that side of the line. If you're going to pass, like make sure that you, uh, you add additional blocking to the right side of your line and hope that that holds up. I can see the Jets winning this game. In theory, the Dolphins are better, but we haven't really got to see the Dolphins with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback yet, and realistically, I should have just still played Bridgewater over Russell Wilson. In the league, in the Fishbowl League, where I have Russell Wilson, oh god, it's brutal, because incompletions count against you, and interceptions are really penalized, so last night was another round of minus points for me playing Russell Wilson, and I have to really seriously consider... um, playing a kicker now, but now that I have Bridgewater as well, if Tua stays out and it's Bridgewater's team the rest of the season, I might as well just play him, uh, but yeah, they're a little dinged up, like I said, when they lost to the Bengals, I was like, the, the Bills win took a lot out of them, and, you know, they have Xavier Howard's questionable as well, so, I, ugh. Jets at home, what's the weather in this game, let me see, 63, so it's not freezing. Do I want to live and die on the Jets right now? Not necessarily. But I think if I'm looking at upset picks that are reasonable, this is probably a, a good one. If Miami plays their game, they should win. But I think I may just take the Jets as an underdog pick because I need underdogs here and there. Because if everybody picks the favorites, then, you know, there's no wiggle room for me to do anything. So. We'll just go with the Jets, whatever.
0: Rids picks.
1: Rids is taking the Jets, too. Next game is the 2-2 Titans, the 1-3 Commanders. Derrick Henry finally showed signs of life. The Commanders stink. I don't think there's any reason I would take the Commanders here. I know they're at home, but it's just not good enough for me. And if Derrick Henry starts to look like himself, it's not good enough for them either. The Titans are without Bud Dupree and Joe Jones and Ola Edene Edenee? I probably butchered that, but they're all out, so a lot of linebackers gone in this game. But Washington's got no Jahan Dotson, no Sam Cosme along the O-line. Safety Percy Butler out. Logan Thomas questionable because I don't think Logan Thomas has been healthy since his first season in the league. The Sam Cosme one is a little bit more concerning, especially with Wes Schweitzer already on IR. they got a lot of guys on IR on the O-line. But Brian Robinson, he's back from the gunshot wounds. So we're about to see what it looks like with Brian Robinson as the primary back there. I guess it's time to ditch Antonio Gibson for fantasy owners. I'd say like hold on to him for probably one more week just to see what's gonna happen, but uh, Brian Robinson definitely won camp in one preseason, and he could be the kind of spark that this offense needs, but that remains to be seen. So until further notice, I think I probably have to take Tennessee here. Not that I love the pick, but I mean Traylon Burks just went to IR2 for them, so that's bad news. Uh, they're without Imani Hooker in the secondary and Zach Cunningham. Like I said, Bud Dupree is out as well. So they're they're chewed up on defense. But if it comes down to run game, play action, consistency, I don't think Tannehill is like significantly better than Carson Wentz, but he is a more consistent version of Carson Wentz. So for the time being i got to take Tennessee here.
0: Ridds picks.
1: Ridds has got a weird thing for the Commanders. Will it backfire? Am I picking them because I was going to pick them last week and didn't and then regretted it? Yeah, maybe. But moving on. Texans and the Shaguas. 0-3 Houston. 2-2 and Jags. I know the Texans have, like, a weird winning record against the Jags recently. But Houston's the worst team in the league. And the Jags are pretty good. I know they're 2-2, two and two and they lost to Washington. who's not very good, but they bounced back. They played really well in the few uh, games directly surrounding that. And there's two ways to look at what happened in Philly last week. And one of those ways is the Jags finally, you know, they, they put in the effort and they kind of finally got humbled against Philadelphia. But if you look at how they played and how that game went, you know, they weren't supposed to be competitive with Philly as the best team in the league. They ended up not covering the spread, which was six and a half. So they were, you know, they were touchdown underdogs. And I picked them to cover and they didn't, but they were up 14 0 in that game. And you know, Philly did what a good team that was in the playoffs last year. Uh, should do to a team that's just learning how to be good and they they found a way to hang in there and win but the way I look at it is that the Jags found out that they can play with the best team in the league and that they're not going to get walked over so even though they have lost one two three four five six seven eight games in a row to the Texans I think they break that streak and they win They're favored by a touchdown, which might be a little bit considering the history, but I think if you're Trevor Lawrence and you're the Jaguars, you realize that, you know what, we're just a couple mistakes away from maybe beating this Philly team, or at least making it closer, but, you know, as a team, you find out your level, and they're a team that is finding out their level constantly this season, and I actually think the Philly loss is good for them more so than it's a negative, negative. and if they play like they did against Philly, against the Texans, they should be fine, and if they clean up some of their mistakes, and they just stick to their run game, and, you know, take advantage of all the areas where the Texans are bad, because, let's face it, the Texans are 0-3-1, they're bad, it's okay, uh, and they're missing Brevin Jordan, Blake Cashman, Austin Deculus, Jonathan Grenard, Chris Moore, so they're they're facing a lot of injuries as well. Uh Jacksonville, you know, not so much. Zay Jones questionable. I'm gonna mess up this dude's name, but it's a fu- it's a fun name. Follow Runzo Fatukasi, lefty end. Uh he's out. Zay Jones banged up. But yeah, Houston missing one of their uh well, I guess with John Mechie out as well, they're missing two guys that would be part of their top three receivers. Uh, Brevin Jordan at tight end is out, so it's O.J. Howard time again. Jonathan Grenard out at lefty end. Blake Hatchman out at linebacker. I still, I still think Jacksonville's better. You know, you can't just beat a team all the time. The other team has to get one in there every now and then, and I think the Jags are in a good position to break that eight-game losing streak. So, nothing points me towards taking the Texans in this game. So I'm not. We're going Jags.
0: Rids picks.
1: Rids is taking the Jags, too. 49ers at the Panthers. 2-2 San Francisco, 1-3 Carolina. Baker Mayfield has not been good this season. Niners favored by 6.5 points. I don't see why I wouldn't take the Niners. I took them over the Rams, and they didn't disappoint. Niners defense. How is this game 50-50, according to ESPN's Power Index? Is being on the road in Carolina really that bad? I mean, Eric Armstead is out. Yeah, Jalen Kinlaw's out. Okay, Tarvarius Moore, safety, out. Yeah, Jason Verrett's still out. I don't know if Jason Verrett's even played this season. And then you look at Carolina, no Laviska Chenault, no Steven Sullivan, no Stanley Thomas Oliver the third. I don't know if I ever saw him play anyway, though. So, let me see. Let me take a little deeper look at Carolina's depth chart. We're approaching an hour, but I'm about to be wrapped up here in a couple of games. Uh, so yeah, what does it come down to? Sam Darnold's on IR, so he's screwed. Matt Corral, also on IR. So really, no choice but to roll with Baker, even though, I don't know if Carolina still wants to. But I think this uh, 49ers defense is far too good to be beaten in this particular matchup by Baker Mayfield. If the You know, the Niners are going to have some soul-searching to do. If they lose to Baker Mayfield here I mean having Kinlaw and Armstead out like at the tackle positions is bad but you still got Bosa you still got uh Evicam and then we're gonna see what they're made of behind that but they still got their linebacking core in there so you still got uh Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw so you still got some playmaking linebackers you still got Emmanuel Mosley you still got Jimmy Ward you still got Charvarius Ward and uh Talanoa Hufunga he's a playmaker And in a game like this, with Christian McCaffrey being heavily involved, I wouldn't be surprised to see some tackles in the backfield from Hufanga and potentially a forced fumble, maybe fumble recovery. Kid's good. He's on the tape all over the place. Um, I have no reason to think Carolina is any good. They're not. If if Baker plays up to his potential 100%, they probably still lose this game, to be honest, as long as the Niners don't botch it. Uh, It's just West Coast guys going afternoon game at least, so they get to sleep in a little bit. Jet lag's not going to kill them as much as it could. But, you know what, Niners all the way. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Niners, too. All right, next we got the 3-1 Cowboys at the 2-2 Rams. Rams favored by five and a half. interestingly enough. Uh, I think the Rams probably do find a way to win because th- what I'm looking at is comparing defenses versus offenses. And first of all, like the Rams' defense hasn't been stellar, but it's solid enough. And their defense may be better matchup wise than Dallas' offense. Like, there's maybe a bigger gap between the Rams' defense and Dallas' offense than there is the Rams' offense and Dallas' defense. Dallas defense is still very good. They get after the quarterback. We saw last week, obviously, you get after Matt Stafford, and you get in his face, and, you know, it doesn't work out so well. But that game was still close against the 49ers. I mean, he threw a bad pick six, but the game was realistically a winnable game for the Rams, all things considered, up until that point. And so is Cooper Rush going to be able to deal with Aaron Donald and Bobby Wagner, and are they going to be able to really get good looks for CeeDee Lamb against... Jalen Ramsey, Um, Tony Pollard is questionable as well. So if Ezekiel Elliott's not really finding success on the ground, which who knows against the Rams run defense, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Uh, The Rams rush defense is giving up less than 100 yards a game. So in comparison to Dallas, much better, but uh, they're giving up a lot of passing yards, but that's not Dallas's identity. In terms of uh, offensive yardage, the teams are about the same, but Dallas just runs the ball a little bit better. The Pollard injury is a little concerning for depth purposes in terms of how they can line up. I mean, Schultz looks like he's back, so that's good for them. Michael Gallup is back, but hasn't really been playing full speed yet. So this is where Noah Brown uh, in the slot could be big, and especially if you want to stay away from Ramsey. That's probably where you want to go here, so I may have to fire up Noah Brown in the league that I have him uh, their defense, mostly healthy for Dallas. Ugh, five and a half, though. Rams at home. Brian Allen, their center is out. That's not good. Coleman Sheldon went to IR. Ooh, That's not good. He was their best offensive lineman. And he came back and he played, too. After he had, I think it was his ankle got rolled up on. So to see that he's on IR now, like, my goodness, that poor kid. Crazy. I'm going to go off on a little tangent right here. Not a tangent, but. So when we went to the Bills-Rams game, if you didn't listen, to the show when we did it the first week, um, we, Kristen and I, we sat down and we had dinner with the parents of Coleman Shelton. I don't remember uh, their names that well, but and I don't want to I don't want to say it incorrectly. So it turns out there was some connective tissue there, and my stepdad is friends with a guy who knows the dad, and so weird six degrees of separation. But we sat down with them and uh, we had the really subpar food at SoFi Stadium, subpar overpriced garbage food, and we just talked to them, and, you know, what I said was that I hope uh, your son plays his butt off, and that the Bills win, and that everybody stays healthy and gets on to the next one, and they were very nice, and so to see that he's on IR really sucks, and I know his parents aren't going to listen to this, but having him and the center out, that's bad news, so... Even though they're favored by five and a half, oof, a, it, it's Dallas time. I think. I we saw what happened with their offensive line injuries last week, and I could see that getting duplicated. It's just going to be, it's going to be on Cooper Rush. Like, is he composed enough against the Aaron Donald type, and can the Dallas offensive line deal with Aaron Donald? Because, like, Bobby Wagner's good. But he's not going to be the difference maker up front at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be Donald, stay away from Ramsey, throw to Schultz, throw to Brown, uh, get Pollard in the slot, throw to him, run the ball. There's a lot of methods for Dallas to win this game, and injury, big injuries along the offensive line are almost a surefire way to derail you. And, you know, look, we just saw it on Thursday. Like, Russell Wilson getting sacked a lot? That team's not winning. So... If Matt Stafford gets sacked four, five, six, seven times, uh, Dallas wins this game. And Dallas got some playmakers on that young defense, too. So I need underdog picks. So I guess I'm going Dallas on this one.
0: Reds picks.
1: The L.A. girls going with their hometown Rams. Approaching an hour of recording. Probably edit it down. Maybe still get it under an hour. But in five seconds, we're going to be at an hour. And I got three games left. Eagles at the Cardinals. Eagles 4-0 on the road at the Cardinals. Favored by five and a half. (sighs) This is a game that the Eagles should win. Is it a game that they do win? That's another question. The Eagles are mostly healthy. They're missing Jordan Mailata, though, at left tackle. He's out. Um, But other than that, I mean, Avante Maddox has been out, but James Bradbury has played really well in his stead. Their kicker is out. So if it comes down to a field goal, that could matter. But you've got to hope that if you're Philly, you're not going to have this game come down to a field goal. Arizona has been up and down all season. D-Hop still suspended. Zach Ertz has been playing well with nobody, but speaking of offensive line injuries, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, both questionable. Max Garcia out behind them. Cody Ford on IR. Rodney Hudson doubtful at center. And that's not good. The Philly defensive front is mean. They're fast. They're good. I'm going Eags. And I think five and a half is probably a bargain in this game, right? What was that? Eh, five and a half? Yeah, I could see that. You know, Arizona maybe battles around and keeps it close, but they're giving up 26 points a game. Eagles are going to score on them for sure. Yeah, just go Eagles. No reason to, no reason to rock the boat and take time on this one. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Eagles as well. Next up is the Bengals at the Ravens. Both teams are two and two. Bengals coming off a win uh, against Miami in that Thursday night game. And the Ravens coming off uh, what appears to be a costly loss against the Bills as they're missing some players now. They are not going to have Rashad Bateman. They're not going to have Justice Hill. Ronnie Staley's questionable. Marcus Peters questionable. Justin Houston is out highest bows are still out for them the Ravens defense has not looked good and I don't really I didn't see them get much pressure on Josh Allen maybe they had a sack last week I think they maybe had one and that's been kind of the the bane of the Bengals existence so far is not being able to pass protect and if they can pass protect you know Joe Burrow is pretty good they, they've got some injuries of course of their own but you know they're healthier T. Higgins is questionable, so, I mean, I guess that bodes well for me if you got Tyler Boyd like I do. Hayden Hurst questionable, so, you know, maybe they have to run the ball a little bit more, which I think they'd ideally like to do anyway. Um, Their defense is healthy, though. I like the Ravens. They lost both times to the Bengals last year, and maybe there's a reason for that, and maybe it's the defense. Confidence-wise, though, if you're the Ravens and you just blew that 20-3 to lead and didn't score in the second half against the Bills, I think there's some questions. There's some soul-searching and some looking in the mirror that's happening in that locker room after that. And the Bengals are like, hey, we're playing with house money. We're not even favored coming in here, uh, coming off a win against the, the only team that was undefeated, excuse me, in the AFC at the time in the Dolphins. So they got to be confident, much more confident than they were after the first two weeks of the season where their offensive line was getting chewed up. And I know Joe Burrow threw for like a thousand yards in just the two games against the Ravens last season. I mean, it was crazy. There's something about Baltimore's defensive schemes that Cincy likes to attack. And I know that they had a lot of injuries in the secondary and everything. So it was tough on them regardless, just personnel wise. But... I think I saw something this morning that Marlon Humphrey has one of the worst, if not the worst, coverage grades in the NFL right now, Um, so that's going to be tough sledding against the Bengals. I don't know. Again, I need underdog picks. This is an underdog pick that I like, so you can look at it two ways. Either the Ravens are like figuring out how they lost the game last week, and they're not going to let that happen again. And if that were the case, it probably wouldn't have happened because it had already happened against Miami. So you look at common opponents, and sure, it wasn't Tua, but the Bengals beat the Dolphins. The Ravens did not. And like I said, if the Ravens were going to figure out how to not blow a huge lead and hang on to pick up wins, in Baltimore nonetheless you know, they would have addressed that already, and instead, you know, both Miami and Buffalo, good teams, uh, good defenses, were able to find a way, and I think at the end of the day, the Bengals are a good team, and that they're probably the better team, but you never know. Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson. What I want to see is Lamar Jackson ball out, and the Bengals win, and that way, at the end of the season, Lamar Jackson demands his money, and he gets it from some other team than the Ravens that don't want to pay him. Anyway, angles Rids picks Rids is rocking with Lamar and the Ravens alright last game on the docket Monday October 10th Monday Night Football the 1 and 3 Raiders coming off their first win take on the 3 and 1 Kansas City Chiefs who righted the ship after a loss and they hung 41 points on a Buccaneers defense that up until that point had only been giving up nine points a game so you know you could tell the Chiefs have been wanting to play that game since the Super Bowl they had been waiting to be able to play the Bucks again, and they took it out on them. The Raiders, on the other hand, finally got a win, but in a close game against a Denver team that was playing them well. Chiefs favored by seven. I hope this game is better than that, is what I'll say, because I don't want to see a Monday Night Football game where the Raiders, who are supposed to be good, suck, and the Chiefs just run through them, right? It's a division game. It's important. If the Raiders win and get to 2-3 and, and drop the Chiefs to 3-2, it's a massive, massive win for the Raiders. So they they essentially have to sell out and play like this is a playoff game, like that they cannot leave Arrowhead with a loss. Because if they fall to 1-4, and four, they're not making the playoffs. Let's be realistic. Because at 1-4, there's 12 games left in the season, and they would have to go, what, essentially nine and three the rest of the way. Well, I guess it's doable, but seriously, if you're the Raiders, falling to one and four is a, a death sentence because now you're inviting all kinds of negativity in, all kinds of doubt, all kinds of press questions, Josh McDaniel's being taken into closed-door meetings and scalded for how his team has played,
0: and you know, they
1: they played Maybe their best, maybe not against Denver, but they they won. So, I don't know. Harrison Butker's still out for the Chiefs. So if it comes down to a close game and a field goal, then that's still going to raise some questions. They they had Amendola, who they brought in Matt Amendola, and they have since gotten rid of him. I guess he was not good enough as a backup kicker. I remember he missed a field goal <laughs> in the Colts game that they lost Right now, it looks like they do not have a kicker, so that's probably going to have to change. they got to get somebody in there, but these one-day contracts, they're giving kickers. um, I don't even remember who it was last week, but it wasn't Matt Amendola. And on offense, Juju's questionable, Trey Smith, but they're mostly healthy. And the Raiders, aside from Foster Moreau being questionable at the backup tight end spot, they're pretty healthy too, so at least we're going to get... You know the two teams playing at their best but if it comes down to special teams you know daniel carlson is a great kicker he's got a big accurate leg very good from 50 plus i would have to in a close game i think i would probably favor the raiders because of i don't i don't even know if the defense is the right word but in theory their defense can be better than kansas City's with denzel perriman chandler jones max crosby they have potential to be better but are they currently better Eh, I don't know probably not Kansas City just gave up 31 points too, so like both these teams give up points Kansas City gives up 24 the Raiders give up 25 so it's kind of a push there it's just the Kansas City scores a lot more but the offensive yards about the same defense yardage is about the same so seeing it as a seven point favorite is a little tough just considering the magnitude of this game. Like, if the Chiefs lose, not the end of the world for them. If the Raiders lose, the end of the world for them. You know, Vegas is burning at that point. Or the Death Star is burning, I should say, in the desert. But I still got to go Chiefs here. But I could take Raiders at plus 7 and live with that. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, too bad Kristen's not here. You know... It's, uh, it's hard to do the show by myself. I can't keep it in track. Excuse me. I can't keep the show on track. I look at the clock running, and every time I say that, oh, you know, I'm going to keep it under an hour. Here we are over an hour again, and i got to sit here and edit it all down again. But you know what? I love doing this show. If you listen to this show, thank you so much. Uh, there's so many different areas where you can get football entertainment, and if you choose to listen to this it is greatly appreciated. And if you want to say hi, you can find me on Twitter at sheistpodcast Podcast. S-H-E-I-S-T Podcast on Twitter. You can say hi. If not, you can email me at nick at thescheist.com as this shows an extension of the website, com, where I will be filling in all of the written details ...on these games, and I may change my mind. That happens sometimes. I do the show, I shoot from the hip, I say what I feel, and then I get into the writing of the article... ...and I change my mind, and I regret it a lot. Like when I did last week. Picking the Colts, changing my mind off of the Titans. Just didn't stick with my gut there. Bummer. Could have gone 13-3, and three, but I went 12-4. and four. I'm happy with that. Keeps me in the hunt for everything I want. So... Until next time, stay safe, everybody, be well, and happy Football Sunday. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiß Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills.